This is the Frog for Life podcast. I'm your host, Rob Berline. Walking around at TCU, it, uh, all the principles are there. It's a great place to be. It, you get to know people from all over the world. And so all those awesome principles at TCU are there. But just physically, they have transformed that campus. And it is, it's cool to take my kids and walk around. And as they see these big, awesome buildings and frog statues and get to rub, you know, Gary Patterson's belly, you know, as we walk by or whatever. That is the voice of Michael Floosh, who has made his name as both an educator and as an improv comedian. Michael will talk about how his improv comedy has helped his role as an educator and how he is going out to other groups to help on team leadership. We're so excited today to be joined by Michael Floosh. He's a teacher. He's a comedy extraordinaire, and he's definitely somebody you guys need to get to know. So thank you so much for joining us today, Michael. Hey, I'm honored to be here. This is uh, awesome, and uh, go Frogs. <laughs> well, before we start into what you're doing now, let's talk about why you came to TCU all, all those years ago. Before you decided to come to TCU, what was it that really made TCU stand out? Oh, man. Uh, golly, that question just takes me back to high school, and uh you know, I, I'm, I'm one of those guys that just, you know, I didn't really know what I was getting into with college. Maybe other people do when they're 17, 18. And uh, my sister, uh, who is a couple grades uh, older than me, was already at TCU. And that kind of laid the groundwork of uh, being able to go to the campus and seeing it and seeing what was there. And uh, uh, so part of it was that I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but there was a pretty clear allure of being able to go to the campus and walking around there and going into a dorm or residence hall and uh yeah there was a lot to like about you know where it was for me growing up i, I grew up in dallas so being out here in fort worth uh that was kind of alluring to just a different feel from dallas and i'm not one of those people who lives in fort worth now and hates dallas that seems to be a very popular opinion but uh yeah there, there were just a lot of factors like that 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 just made tcu stand out and uh, i thought it'd be a great opportunity for me and of course you made the most of your opportunity you got involved pretty much all over campus why don't you tell the people about all the all the different things you were involved with as a student yeah that's i think that's the biggest thing that i walked away with tcu from of i just wore a whole lot of hats uh you know obviously you go to college and you got your degree and i started off as a broadcast journalism major and transition to what was then called uh, ad PR, but now I know it's strategic communications. But with that, that was a big chunk of my life. And, and obviously there's some tough academics at TCU and that, that took a good chunk of time, but I was very busy with uh, having a job and I started off working the uh, alumni phone-a-thon and uh, I learned a lot with that job and uh, getting to talk to awesome alumni. And that was, that was one of the better parts was you'd call somebody who was an older alumni and they would just jump into TCU stories and you're like, Oh man, people love this place. This is making me love this place. But yeah, I did the phone time for a little while and became a, a uh, an RA. And that was, that was awesome. I got to meet great people like you and live in Clark. Oh my goodness. Just the, the awesomeness that was Clark residence hall. But uh, so yeah, I was busy doing that too. And then, then really the, the big community that I fell into that opened doors to so many other uh, so many other things in my time at TCU was Senseless Acts of Comedy, which is a weekly improvisational troupe that would, they would perform weekly. And uh, I would attend my first semester there at TCU. And then I auditioned and became the host my second semester. And then from then, then on out, I was performing as an improviser. And I mean, that 
getting involved with that and being in that community, it, it really changed my life. I mean, I knew from that point on, like comedy is something that wasn't going to be, uh, apart from my life. And, uh, yeah, it was awesome. I can't speak enough of folks like Andrew Hamer and John Anderson and Rich Baker and some of the alumni before me who got that ball rolling and, uh, my generation to be able to continue it. And in that senseless acts of comedy, it, it seemed like once, Probably once a month, uh, the newspaper was advertising senseless acts of comedy, and you were kind of the face of the of the troop for for a couple years there. So, really, you know, for those that and it still goes on today, but for those that right. maybe don't know about senseless acts of comedy, just just what are the different kind of of acts you see, and and what are the things that you really got out of it? Yeah, so a big part of I feel like SAC, uh, the the story behind it is. You know, the guys who started it a couple of years before me, they got really involved with the downtown troop called Four Day Weekend, and they had training sessions and stuff like that. And really, comedy, especially the improv comedy, the scene here in Fort Worth just isn't, especially back in like 2004, it just wasn't as big. And, uh, you know, these are guys that went to comedy, uh, very famous comedy houses like uh, Improv Olympic or uh, Second City in Chicago and learned from them and all the people that you see on SNL and a lot of popular actors and comedians today i mean they they have improv roots there so there was there's kind of this growing community of people that wanted to do improv and and the principles of improv are hey i'm not going to go write a joke and and go up there and uh, make people laugh it's i'm going to create a play on the spot a scene on the spot a game and people are going to relate to it and uh, people are going to connect with it because it's it's a truthful fun interesting relatable thing and that's what's going to make them laugh. It's kind of like being with your buddy and you're walking down the street and they trip and fall over. I mean, that's, there's something funny there because it's, it's uh, truthful and honest and it's with your friend. But if you go and tell someone that story, it's not very funny. So uh, that, that's what improv is. And so we started it there and, and we kept it going. And, yeah, I had the honor of uh, being the president there for a couple of years. And it was cool. It was cool giving kids an option of, hey, come hang out with us on Thursday nights. And, uh I have a party on campus and, and the really cool thing is that it, it's still going on today. And there's some people who in the years after us who have made it explode. I mean, they, they've packed audiences there in the new uh, auditorium in the center of campus. And yeah, it's still a big deal. And that is, that's awesome to see. Hopefully it means as much to those folks today as it, as it meant to me when I was at TCU. And so people are listening to this and they're thinking, wow, Michael must be in town from it, from his time uh, on SNL and he must have made it as a big millionaire. Well, he is influencing lives in, in a big way, but it's not in the way that uh, people would think you're actually an educator in the Fort Worth ISD. So tell us how, how did that come about? I know, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, somebody needs to figure out my life for me. That would be nice. Uh, no, I left TCU and I was like, man, you know, what am I going to do? I want to do comedy and I've got this marketing background or degree and I just didn't know what to do. And to kind of pursue comedy, I took a part-time job subbing and, and tutoring with Fort Worth ISD. And really the next five or six years is a story of education and comedy coming together. And uh, I ended up getting a full-time job uh, with Fort Worth ISD teaching. Uh, I was uh, actually dating my soon-to-be wife, and she wanted this thing called an engagement ring, and apparently there's a lot of money associated with that, and I didn't have that, so full-time job it was for me. But all the while, you know, I'm pursuing comedy. We're performing as often as we can. We're going to Austin, and we're going to 
to Dallas. We're, we're creating shows in Fort Worth and, and getting involved. We had a two year stint at four day weekend and just super busy, but I got into education and I've discovered, man, you know, in education, there's a great need out there to use really the principles of improv. And, and, uh, you're going out there and really, you know, being an educator, I got to stand in front of kids and have an audience every day. So I got to go out there, build relationships with the kids and, and make them laugh and, and use those comedic principles of support, of listening, of building uh, off the information in front of you to help these kids become lifelong learners. And so over time, our comedy troupe kind of evolved from, hey, we're just going to go out there and perform weekly like the good old days at TCU to, you know, now we're using comedy to go into professional developments in corporations, at, uh, at schools, at churches, at, uh, at events and saying, hey, how can we use you know, comedy to make education better? How can we create a culture and climate in corporations where people are wanting to be there and wanting to be learners? And so it's kind of been this awesome journey where I feel like I'm using comedy to influence and to create a, a culture and climate at places to uh, be more successful, to have people want to be at their jobs, want to be at their training, want to be uh, wherever they're at because of the improv principles like yes and and listening and building and, and, and respecting other people. So it's been a cool journey, man. And uh, TCU, if it weren't for TCU, that, that kind of idea of being a comedian and doing all that stuff, I just, I just wouldn't have had that opportunity, much less a weekly outlet to develop a craft. So you said you were able to develop some, some comedy, um, some principles in front of the kids. Is there any memorable lesson plans that, that stick out that you took maybe the story of George Washington to a different place that no one's ever gone before? <laughs> Man, one of the, that's a, that's a great question. One of the things that I've been able to learn through education is the importance of thinking. And there's so many times, you know, where teachers will do stuff to let's say, get ready for a test or to build simple skills. And we don't challenge kids to think sometimes. And really, if you look at comedy, especially improv comedy, I mean, it's a bunch of critical thinking. So take George Washington and then just take a, uh, this is just a real basic activity you can do with kids. Take their favorite celebrity. I mean, uh, I don't know what the kids are into these days, but, you know, take George Washington and uh, Justin Bieber, like one of my personal favorites. Uh, and just start to compare and contrast. How are they similar? How are they different? Uh, maybe George Washington uh, wasn't as great of a singer, but Justin Bieber, you know, got to go out with Selena Gomez. Okay, I'm not, I'm not doing a good job right now. But <laughs> uh, if you start to take figures like that and start to compare and contrast, you're really getting into uh, what one researcher, Bloom, would say is higher order thinking. Uh, you're, you're taking information, you're applying it, and you're starting to transfer it into where even though that's a goofy comedic like activity of comparing and contrasting the two, if you're able to compare and contrast the two, you probably know who George Washington is. And so all of a sudden the kids understand the topic, even though they just did a comedy critical thinking activity that's goofy and had a lot of fun with it. Well, there you go. Now for any teachers out there, any parents that want to teach their kid, George Washington, Michael just told you how. Um, <laughs> right. And not only do you work with just, um, you know, are you just in the classroom, but you work with gifted and talented children. So how did that come about? And does that take a different approach than, you know, just getting up in the, in the classroom and in the terms of how most people think of a teacher? Yeah, I, that's gifted and talented kids are a subpopulation of kids. So it's not all of the kids, so to speak, but 
you know, there's a big push and there has been, and I, this is one of the things that I've been able to discover by talking to some of the researchers out there with some of the awesome conferences I've been able to go to, you know, there's a great need to address these subpopulations in education these days. And there's a big movement in terms of our special ed students are what we call ELLs or English language learners. Uh, and there's all sorts of kids that are subpopulations that I think educators and researchers have been reflecting upon and saying, Hey, what are we doing to meet the needs of these kids? Uh, and that, that puts teachers in a position of how can I inform you about a special education student, uh, maybe a student with social and emotional needs or a gifted student or somewhere in between, which there's a lot of overlap in those categories. But what are we doing in the classroom with our lessons to address those kids and their needs? And with our gifted kids, there's just I mean, there's decades and decades of research about what giftedness is, and it's no longer an A-plus student. That might be it, but they're gifted. there could be kids who are gifted in leadership or gifted in uh, grit and motivation or gifted in uh, creativity and being able to apply, apply that in different ways. And uh, So I, I love going out to schools and going out to uh, teachers and having a conversation of, hey, you're doing great practices here, but have you thought about and are you addressing these kids and their gifts? And really the cool, a cool subset within that is all kids have gifts. So you start to look at kids uh, with a positive mindset, with a growth mindset of starting with a kid and not saying, man, this kid can't multiply or this kid can't read. You start to look at them and say they have gifts, which means they can do something well. And how do I use that to drive teaching? And again, I could, I could go on and on about that. There's so much about that idea that connects with improv comedy that you go into scenes with a positive mindset saying, Hey, I don't know what we're about to do, but we're about to do this together. We're going to support and build off of each other. So really when you start to look at my educational pathway to get to gifted and talented, there's so much overlap and so many connections to what do we need to be doing as educators to address the needs of gifted and talented kids to respond to that. I mean, it's, it's like responding to a scene partner and, uh, yeah, there's, there's so many connections there and I love it. It sounds like you're, you help train people for, it could be any walk of life where you, maybe they learn by the book how they're supposed to walk into a situation, but you know, they get to a situation and there's really nothing in the book that tells them basically what they're about to face. And you kind of walk them through the mindset and help people learn how to, how to deal with that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's so important. There, there's so many things that teachers, really anybody, but zooming in on teachers, there's so many different types of kids that walk through the door that you might be at a low socioeconomic school, but this kid has this amazing gift in leadership that needs to be tapped into. And maybe that even means they're, they behave poorly or they don't score well on tests, but they, they're a gifted leader. Well, how do, do we respond to that at all? Or do we make this, you know, square peg you know, do we force it through the, the circle hole, you know, and just, we've got to think about those things. And, and I love going and talking to people about, Hey, how can we, how can we address that? How can we build off that? How can we be successful? And, and sometimes that means redefining what being successful is, just zooming in on what that is and what our preconceived notions on that is. But yeah, man, I, I love those conversations. And your current comedy group is Curtis needs a ride. How did you come up with that group? And tell us, tell us a little bit more about it. Oh man. Yeah. Curtis needs a ride. Uh, I, I call it CNR, CNAR, just kind of combining that. But a buddy of ours named Curtis Scheidler, 
who also attended TCU, good friend of ours, great product of the Cedar Department there. Uh, <laughs> he ended up. This is this is a sad story, and I apologize ahead of time. But he got he got divorced pretty early on in life and lost his car in the settlements, and he literally always needed a ride. And so we said, why don't we enshrine the worst moment of your life as the name of our comedy troupe? You know, why not? Uh, <laughs> but uh, me and a guy named Austin Hines. Uh, who also was in TCU with me, uh, we, we basically graduated from TCU and said, man, we got to keep doing this. We got to turn this into something that we, once you perform for 40 years every week, you just say to yourself, man, we, we got it. This is, this is what we want to do. So, you know, for a while there with us and Steve Rupp and a couple other guys named, uh, Grayson Howe and Ricky Anderson and all these TCU dudes, uh, Aaron Molnix and a lot of good folks. We said, hey, let's just keep performing, man. And so we started Curtis Needs a Ride, and uh, we've, we're still going strong. It's been uh, close to 12 years uh, since we started. Oh, man, it's got to be longer than that. 13. Is it 2019 still? Is that a thing? <laughs> is that, is that... Uh, yeah, we started in 2006, so it's been about 13 years since uh, we started. And last year, I mean, we, I mean, we're not talking about a handful of events. We're talking about close to 50 events, and this year we're already um, – above that. So our TCU weekly performances has trained us well because we're, we're still getting after it and having a lot of fun, uh, with improv these days as well. And you're not just in comedy clubs. So you, you book all over. How did, you know, how do you, how do you go through the process of convincing, uh, or telling, you know, different <laughs> groups that, Hey, you should bring this comedy troupe in and we're going to give you, we're going to do more for you than, you know, just tell jokes. That's right. That's where the ad PR degree comes in for sure. I got to make those teachers at TCU proud, but yeah, I mean, about six years ago, we, we had just been performing and performing and tried to chase down shows for the sake of, we love hanging out, love being friends and love just performing. And we kind of said to ourselves, we need a bigger why we need a why that like means something to people. And through the wisdom of some of our friends here in the Fort Worth community and and so we kind of redefined what we do to say, you know, how our mission now is how do we collaborate and serve with people through what we love to do in improv comedy or comedic entertainment. And there's so many businesses that put on professional development and they're maybe great at getting information out there, but they're not great at making it a memorable day. And again, there's a lot of direct uh, connections there with teaching. Uh, you might have the perfect, way or perfect information in a math lesson to give to a kid but if it's not delivered in a way that's meaningful that's engaging uh and i would even argue entertaining uh then they might miss it and so we go to businesses and we say hey you're great at putting on this event why don't you bring us in and worry about uh the engagement factor the entertainment factor so we can make this information this day this moment last a lot longer uh, make it super fun for people. And there is just so much research, uh, about that, uh, of achievement happens when you have engagement, when you have, uh, you know, entertainment, when you, when you're able to connect with people on a, on a, an emotional level. And so that's, we go in and say, Hey, there's a lot of research behind what we do. And, uh, we try to connect the dots and we try to create memorable moments for people in a way that maybe if they're just putting on an event, they couldn't do. So we do, we do a lot of nonprofit work where we team up with nonprofits trying to raise money for their cause. We do a lot of uh, appreciation dinners where 
you know, uh, maybe there's a, a city, we just did one recently, where they're trying to thank volunteers for their hard work. You know, we take ordinary events and moments and really just take them to the next level by having fun with folks and, and, and making them laugh a little bit. And I'd imagine that the last few years, once you get a couple groups to sign on, you're able to use them as testimonials. So is it, if you found it's a little easier to have people bring you on once you say, hey, we've actually had other you know, real people take us and we're not just some fly by night, you know, group. <laughs> right. And those are out there, man. And that, that's a, that's a distinctive thing because, you know, there's people out there in the community. Now the improv community, it's growing here in DFW and it's really come a long way over the past 15 years. When I started doing improv, uh, you know, pretty much four day weekend was the only game in town there outside of stand up venues and maybe a one club in Dallas. And, and now there's a lot more. And Austin is a huge hub of improv. We're talking about, you know, almost 10 different improv venues down there. So, yeah, so we've had the honor of working with some really big clients, with some really uh, important organizations uh, here in Fort Worth and businesses and, and churches and uh, to where, you know, we've got a lot of folks who, we actually have a 2018 in review video on our Facebook page uh, that you can go and check out. That's, you know, it's not us talking. It's just a bunch of people saying, Hey, we had our event and it wouldn't have been what it turned into without a uh, Curtis needs a ride. And when you hear that from people, when you hear that you're able to assist them in that way, again, that goes back to our why and fulfilling what we're trying to do with comedy is try to have a, a meaningful experience with it. Uh, so yeah, we, we stay busy and uh, we got a lot of friends who, uh, uh, we're very honored to have them say that a lot of the good stuff we've been able to work on together. And so what are some things that are, are maybe coming up that the general public can see you guys at? Oh man, that's a great question. Uh, we've got a lot of, a lot of random events that we help out with. There's, there's some little stuff like, uh, you know, one of our, one of our partners that we've had for about five or six years now is a restaurant called brood in Fort Worth. And, they've got a very similar why to us where they try to serve the city and invest in local stuff. And if you're a Fort Worthy and uh, I don't know what says Fort Worth more than brood, it's, it's called the local living room for a reason. And we do little stuff there. Like we'll help out with a, they do a bingo and brews every month where they raise money for a nonprofit. And uh, so they, you could always check us out every first Wednesday of the month. We got one coming up here in May uh, where we're tag teaming with a nonprofit and having a lot of fun playing bingo with them, uh, to raise awareness. We had one here recently with Josh Weathers, who's a huge musician here in the Fort Worth area where he was raising money for his nonprofit. And that, that's the best way to see us publicly. And we've just got a whole bunch of private shows. I mean, ever since we made the switch here about six or seven years ago, we kind of decreased the amount of public shows and really ramped up our private shows like that. And, uh, that being said, we do have a big, uh, teacher show that we do at the beginning of each year you know being in education myself i'll put on a teacher show where i invite all the teachers in the community to come out uh to really just celebrate teachers and all the stuff they go through and not a, if you got a friend who's a teacher go ahead and pat them on the back maybe give them a beer tell them it's okay because they got a tough job and, and i'm very thankful for what they do so we put on a comedy show for them so be on the lookout there uh that'll be our our next big big public show That'll be here in August, local in Fort Worth. But follow us on Facebook. We got all sorts of random events and a lot of fun. We're, we're actually in talks with two huge events right now, and, and we let people know what we do through our Facebook. So I'd love to have everyone go there and check us out. And they can find you on Facebook at Curtis Needs a Ride? 
That's right. That's right. There's no one else with that name. That's for sure. So uh, find Chris needs a ride. You'll find our uh, yellow and black logo. We like to wear ties. So <laughs> ties on there. We still have consensus sex comedy as well. All right. Well, we'll circle back here. Uh, wrap it up with getting back to your time at TCU. As yeah. you, you think about the uh, how you started, how far you've come since then, is there a couple maybe memorable moments that you think you know that's kind of those are humorous moments, or maybe those are moments that really shaped you know to where I am today. Oh man, how, how much time do you have in this podcast? I've got as much time as you've got. Oh. I can sit here all day. <laughs> yeah, man. Golly, do you ever just think about just who you were in college and just, I mean, it's just that time of life, right, man? You're just going through so much and you're you're growing and you don't know what you don't know and you're just so immature and, and but it's also you just learn so much about yourself so I guess in the broad sense maybe this isn't a very specific memory but just I, I can't speak highly enough about what senseless sex comedy did for me being a guy who you know wears a bunch of hats and and went into that and became you know the president of it and you know there's it really changed my life to be able to take on that troop and to be able to lead it to the next generation. And, and honestly, there's been some stuff that's happened since I left that is far beyond anything I could have ever done. I mean, it's, uh, it's been awesome. And if it weren't for that and that leading to me going to take, you know, years of classes at four day weekend and then traveling down to Austin as often I can to, uh, uh, perform. I mean, comedy, <laughs> comedy to me now, is what uh what my high school relationship I thought was going to be. Did you? I'm one of those folks who was like, man, I'm gonna have my high school girlfriend forever through uh, college, and it's like, you know what? No, but comedy has not left me. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, just going through through comedy and just and and having those shows at TCU, and we actually uh, we actually had to battle for a space at TCU at one point where we got kicked out of the room we were in. They had to use it for other things. We had to go through a moment where we really had to fight for the troop and find a place on campus to let this little ragtag group of people go and perform each week. And I think that those moments like that and really developed a sense of grit and motivation in me. And this is one of the things I preach to teachers all the time of when you're interested in something, when you're passionate about it, even if you're someone who isn't willing to work hard, you're probably going to work harder on something that you're super interested in, something that you're just, you're, you're going to see it. It's called the uh, Albert Bandura researcher in the, uh, uh, you know, psychology world would, would describe it as self-efficacy, not just the confidence to get through something, but your strength and your confidence to fight through obstacles, to fight through the toughness. There were so many opportunities like that at TCU, whether it's, you know, being an RA and, and, and living life with people or in comedy, fighting for this comedy show and creating a business afterwards uh, or all the craziness there, it, it developed my sense of self-efficacy that uh, I, it's just, uh, I can't, I can't thank TCU enough for that. I mean, it really changed my life. Uh, so it, yeah, I mean, I guess it's hard to nail down maybe some specific moments. I've embarrassed myself probably millions of times and, and that's another great thing about improv comedy. You go out and do stand-up, you write a joke and it's not funny, you've embarrassed yourself. You go out with improv and you swing for the fences and you try to make a joke or you try to be funny and it's not funny. You've got a scene partner there who it's their job to make you look good. 
and then it's your job to make them look good. And there's a sense of selflessness there that that principle has permeated every phase of my life of man, that, 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 uh, that's changed me a lot. So I feel like TCU's done that for me. I feel like I get the chance to now do that for other people. And yeah, man, it's just been awesome. I, I can't, I can't be more prouder to wear the purple. Uh, in white from TCU for sure. And living in the same residence hall with you when you were trying to manage all of us and make sure nobody jumped off the roof or <laughs> caused problems or, you know, you're, I don't know. It takes special people to do that. But I'm sitting here wondering how much do you feel that your uh, improv skills now would have helped you manage those different situations back then as a residence hall assistant? Oh man, for sure. I, <laughs> again, there's all sorts, all sorts of maturity issues. I mean, I, I remember once, you know, there's all sorts of craziness that happens in the dorm and I never did it by the not, way, just so we're clear. I never not, jumped out of the window. I've got, the, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I've got some Rob Berline stories. No, uh, no it, when you're out there and you're just living life with people, I, I grew up, my dad was a police officer in Dallas and I actually come from a family of police officers. And so I'm very like a, very much a rule follower. I think that's why being an RA really made sense. Uh, and, and you would, I would look at people and just say, Oh, are they breaking rules or not? And I think what I've learned from improv and re- what I've learned from looking back at my time at TCU is, it's not about that. It's about building relationships. It's about knowing people and you're in a dorm with hundreds of people you don't know that could change your life. If you just got to know them and ask them, what makes you tick? What keeps you busy? Why are you the way you are? That's, that's a poorly phrased question, but you know what I mean? Uh, (laughs) uh, That sounds like something my wife would ask me. No, Uh, but you're, you're just in the midst of all this and, yeah, I, I mean, part of me wants to go back and, and be an RA now. I wouldn't be so much worried about, hey, you snuck a girl in after hours. Like, who cares? And now, what's up with this, Rob? All these uh, residence halls are uh, co now. I mean, I'll tell you what, when I... When I came back here and then saw all the all the different residence halls and the way they've and Milton Daniel is now called the Milton Hilton is the honors dorm. Milton Daniel, when right. I was there as a freshman before I moved to Clark, was I think where they sent all the bad kids because it wasn't exactly <laughs> the best place in two thousand four. Man, I love TCU and everything about it, man, but they have made some improvements once we left the campus. What is up with that? I think it was because we left the campus. They said, we can't have anybody like them ever back here again, so we better make this place better. (laughs) Yeah, these guys have wrecked our uh, hallways here. We need to fix this. And uh, Yeah, man, it's just walking around at TCU – all the principles are there. It's a great place to be. It, you get to know people from all over the world. And that was one of the cool things with comedy too, is that I get to host a lot of multicultural events, which really were, were very informative and fun and got to meet some great people through that. And in all sorts of, you know, small organizations there would ask me to host. I got to know all these different genres of life, basically. So all those awesome principles of TCU are there, but just physically they have transformed that campus and it is, it's cool to take my kids and walk around and as they see these big, awesome buildings and frog statues and get to rub, you know, Gary Patterson's belly, you know, as we walk by or whatever. Uh, I mean, we get to, uh, I mean, this is an awesome, beautiful campus that has just transformed. And I guess, I guess they needed people like us to go through and uh, get rid of us first before they made those big uh, improvements. <laughs> 
I guess so. Well, we thank you so much for joining us today. And I know we took time out of your day uh, from mentoring the youth of America. So we'll, we'll let you get back to that. But thank you so much right. for joining us. And again, check uh, Michael and his and the troop out at Curtis Needs a Ride on Facebook. And uh, we'll see you here uh, soon, Michael. Hey, honored to be a part of it, Gil Frogs. And uh, yeah, thanks, man. I'm just so thankful to TCU and, and what it is. And I hope that other people get to have that same feeling and experience too. Thank you to KTCU and co-manager Jeff Craig for their editing of this episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Frog for Life podcast. If you or a friend or family member would like to get in touch with us to share your story, please contact us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at TCU alumni. We look forward to sharing our next story of how TCU alumni are changing the world.